0: Yes, it is a great blessing to have uh, your pastor and uh, some other godly pastors from the valley that we meet with on Tuesday and uh, I've enjoyed uh, tuning in on uh, your services here and uh, I know you're going through a study last week was how you're important in functioning in the body and so forth and uh, yet today, I was wanting to share with you, I'll give you a little double header today. (laughs) I'm going to be sharing with you about the fact that we're in the game of life. We're in the real game of life. But before that, I was thinking, meditating on, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, narrow and straight is the gate that leads to life and few there be that find it. Broad's the way that leads into destruction, and many go in there at. And I got thinking about that. Why is that the case? Is God so restrictive that he only wants a few people? That's not true, because the, the scripture says, it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you you know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So why is only few entering in at the straight gate? As I got thinking about that, I realized, you know, the hang-up is not with God. (laughs) The hang-up is with us. As human beings, the Bible says all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the thing is, as God says, come, we start making excuses and we start going our own selfish, sinful ways. So, beloved, I think it's good for us to stop and realize, my, my, my. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. There's a problem. It's not with our amazing God with his grace. Well, that's, that's the first sermon. <laughs> but I, I just challenge you to think about that. That has just really spoken to my heart. Today, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, I grew up on a farm. And I'm thinking of a harvest. And in the scriptures, it mentions that uh, one place here in Jeremiah 8 24 and uh, Jeremiah 8 uh, 24 and 20 and 22. I'll get it right here. <laughs> Jeremiah 8 24 and 22. <clears throat> but he's talking about, he's saying that um, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then? is there no healing for the wound of my people We're at harvest time and of course the beautiful colors we can see but the the um, uh, Jeremiah is saying that the, uh, the summer is ended and the harvest is past and we are not saved That's a sad story you know And I think uh, In the game of life, it's terrible to lose in life, isn't it? Now, I hope (laughs) none of you are checking. There's a game going on right now, I believe, over in England, between the Packers and the Giants, I believe. But that's not the real game. That's not the real game. You and I are in a real game of life. And so much as, you know, in a, in a few days or hours, who wins or loses in the Packer Giants game doesn't matter that much, but who wins in the game of life is tremendously important. Do you ever look and imagine as you look over a stadium and see all the people that are there. How do you see the people? You know, I would like to challenge you to see people as the Lord Jesus saw them. In, um, In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, you can get a little picture there of how... Jesus saw the multitude. It says here, Jesus went through the towns, this is in verse 38, 35, through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, there it is, When he saw the crowds, oh, sometimes we see the crowds. It's just a mass of people. But Jesus saw the crowds a little differently. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are pretty defenseless. And if there's wolves or wild dogs growing up on the farm, sometimes uh, sheep owners would be very careful because of dogs. Wild dogs could be as bad as wolves in attacking and uh, wounding and killing sheep. And Jesus saw the people like sheep. With no protection. No shepherd. To chase off the wolves and the dogs. And and what have you. And what does he say then? Then he said to his disciples. The harvest is plenteous. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore to send out workers. Into the harvest field. Beloved. I think this is one of the important things that you and I need to realize that prayer is important about. Now, granted, the Lord wants us to pray about everything and not worry about anything. Philippians 4 6 and 7 talks about that. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And in James, he says to the, Is there any sick among you? Let him pray. Now we're pretty good about praying whenever things are going wrong and and uh, we're sick and we're hurting and the like. And so the Lord does say, call on me in the day of trouble, I'll deliver you and you'll glorify me. So God does get glory about our praying when we're hurting and when we're sick and when we need help. But beloved, I believe one of the most important prayers that you and I need to pray is, is this prayer that he said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Look on the crowds. Look on. See them as God sees them. You know what you should see? People are hurting. People need the Lord. Do you know that? Do you realize that every human being needs the Lord? And so we need to pray, God, send somebody to these people that are hurting that need you. And if, if, if uh, I can be of help, send me. Send me. And I think this is really what uh, the Lord wants us to get. Because, you know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, okay, you get that? This is first on the agenda, Timothy. I urge you, first of all, what is it, Paul? What do you want Timothy to do? That requests, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks be made for everyone. Wow. Wow. That should be number one, Timothy, on your list. Well, are you a disciple? Are you a Timothy? Are you a follower of the Lord? Well, that should be pretty far up on our agenda, too. Praying for all people around us that need the Lord just like we do. For kings and all that are in authority, and it's Good to pray for our president and our leaders and, and uh, all that. But notice what he says. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, here it is, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed uh, a herald and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of true faith. To the Gentiles, I want men everywhere to lift up hands in prayer without anger and disputing. God wants us to pray for hurting lost people. Now, I don't know how you do that. Maybe you should have a prayer list. I sometimes have, but I've got a neighbor. I'm praying for that neighbor that, uh, to my knowledge, is lost and don't know the Lord, but they need the Lord. You know what we're doing as we pray? We're joining with God in the work he's asked us to do. You remember the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what I think that's saying there? God's kingdom comes on earth as people come to know Him as their Lord and Savior. As they come to a place of realizing, I'm going the wrong way. I need to turn and go God's way. I need to turn and allow Jesus Christ to come in to my life. So beloved, I want to encourage you first of all in the game of life lift up your eyes, look and start praying for hurting people around you. It's kind of like you're going to a race and you're getting up to the beginning line. Get on your mark, <laughs> he says, right? The person who is announcing the race, get on your mark. And to get on your mark, to get ready, we need to start by praying Lord, I want to join with you in the greatest thing in the game of life that of winning. Lost men and women, boys and girls to Jesus. Now granted, listen, (laughs) I can't save anybody and you can't save anybody. But sometimes we stop with that. That's not fair. Although we can't save anybody, we can't deliver anybody from their sin and from their wickedness. (coughs) We are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives. We are joining with him in the greatest thing of life itself, of winning men and women, boys and girls to Jesus Christ. And so as we pray, we need to remember the verse over in Jeremiah says, With God, there is nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So, as we get on our mark, as we begin to concentrate on the game of life, we need to be realizing God has given us a place in his agenda, in the game of life, it's no accident you're working beside that person at work. It's no accident that you happen to be neighbors next door to somebody that may be hurting very much. It's no accident that you happen to be in a family that's disjointed, that needs help, that needs uh, a real fix from the Lord. God has placed you and me strategically in the game of life to work with him in winning others from darkness to light. Now, having said this, not only does the leader say, get on your mark, but he says, get ready. Get ready! And you know it's interesting that the Apostle Peter over in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us to get ready. He says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Wow, I like that. In your hearts set the Lord apart as Lord, as the one in charge. Well, what else are you saying, Peter? Always be prepared to give an answer to every man who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. <laughs> Oh, isn't that great? Yes. We don't do it bragging about who we are and we're here and we're God's people because of how good we we know better than that. We're to do it with gentleness, recognizing that but for the grace of God, I would be in the same seat as you are. That's right. Without the Lord. He says, so... Do it with gentleness and respect. Everybody is made in God's image. And though that person curses and swears, says ugly things, and is not what they should be, they're still made in God's image. God still can work in their life. So, We need to do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed on their slander. It is better if the will of God, uh, if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also, as he went and preached to the spirits in prison, and so forth. Okay. We need to recognize then that God is at work in our world, and we need to be ready to give an answer to people that would come up, you know, I notice you're you're a little different than other people. <laughs> what is it that makes you different? Are you ready? Now, this this is a starter, and it may sound uh, well. That well, isn't yes. Yes, I think it is. You need to even just write out a testimony. Of what God has done in your life. Be ready. That's where we begin. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Now that's over in the book of Revelation. That's some rough times people are going to go through. But you and I do go through some rough times sometimes. And sometimes people don't want to listen. But other times they do. Uh, They'll say, "What is it that makes you different? Are you ready? Give time to putting together what it was that God worked in your life." Back in my life, my mother was the only one who was a believer at one time. I have a brother and dad and myself who were lost. Dad would take us to church or Sunday school, but mom was praying for three things. My mother had cancer, she died when I was 14, but mom was praying for me. She was praying for my brother and for my dad. Well, my dad, I think about 43 or 44 years of age, came to the Lord first. I saw the difference that God made in his life. Now, I thought I was a pretty good person myself. <laughs> you know, I hadn't robbed a bank or murdered anybody or committed any big sins as such. But I did find in the Scriptures that the Lord says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. And you know, that verse kind of bothered me. If my righteousness, if my goodness was like filthy rags before the Lord, what was my unrighteousness like? And I had some of that too. So I had to come to recognize I was lost. I needed the Lord. And in those days we had revival meetings and I happened to... Say the Lord, and I was under conviction. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed to come to the Lord. I said, Lord, if tomorrow night there will be a small group, I'll go forward. Well, you know, God in His mercy, the next night there was a small group there, and a Sunday school teacher, Hazel Brookhart, reached over and says, "Wouldn't you like to come forward and, and receive the Lord?" And I did. I stepped forward. Now, I was looking for some special thing to hit me or zap me, and that special feeling never quite came. But they pointed out that the Scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, I I fit into that whosoever. Anyone. I called on the name of the Lord. And the next day, believe it or not, I did feel a little bit happier, knowing my sins were forgiven. And I was going to school, and a neighbor picked me up, and I said, something wonderful happened to me last night. Well, that's a little of my testimony of how God reached down to this hell-deserving, proud, egotistical young person that needed Jesus. Be ready to give an answer. Be ready with the gospel, the good news of of the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? You need to know. And I'm sure you probably do. According to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says that, and this is the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and the third day rose again. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God and his salvation to everyone who believes. doesn't mean just mentally believes that Jesus died. But it means, believes to the, to the extent of trusting yourself to Him as Lord and Savior. And uh, that's what makes a difference. You know the good news. You know that Jesus died for sinners. And that was for me, that was for you, and that was for our neighbor, that's for... Those that we need to be reaching out to and sharing the gospel with. Now, one of the things that I have been doing lately is I'll go door to door. Oh, that's a scary thing. Only Jehovah Witnesses and some of those folks go door to door, right? <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you, it's amazing. We used to know all our neighbors and the like. People hardly know their neighbors anymore. Go over and get acquainted with your (coughs) neighbors. Maybe invite them over for tea or coffee or uh, some goodies. Dare to step out and invite others. And when I go door to door, I'll tell them who I am. And I'll say, I'm a retired pastor. You don't have to be a retired pastor to speak to your neighbor or the like. you could say, "I, I, I happen to be a, a believer. I go to Freedom Fellowship. That's good." Ask, but I was wondering, is there any way that I could pray for you? That's kind of the way I, I have a lead-in. And then, regardless, many people say, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm good." That's probably a lie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you you take them at what they say. But then. I'll offer them a Gospel of John. And I happen to have these that are printed by the, God, the pocket testament leg. And it says, this is an eyewitness account of the history that has stood the test of time and made a difference to billions of lives around the world. Have you ever wondered why you were on earth? Have you ever had a sense that you were made for more. Have you ever been amazed at the beauty of this world? And this leads right into uh, just a little presentation of how they can come to saving knowledge of Christ. And then, of course, it is simply the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. But, of course, you know the Gospel of John was written that people might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and believe he have life through his name. So I I would encourage you, if you don't have another way, you could use it. I I brought along several, and uh, if you would like a copy of it to to, uh, use, you may do so. Now, You also probably know Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ your Lord. That's a tremendous testimony, isn't it? Though though what I deserve is death because I'm a sinner God has a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So this is a way of being ready. But not only should we just be ready, we need to go. You remember what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15? He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, you say, I'm no preacher, or I'm no missionary, or I'm no evangelist. Yes, you are. If somebody ever shared the gospel with you, It wasn't meant to end at you, was it? Pass it on to somebody else. And you know what? Listen, there are people that will listen to you. They would never listen to this preacher. That's right. There are people that will listen to you, and God wants you to be ready. Paul says there in Romans 16, I'm sorry, chapter 1, he says, I am debtor both to the Jew and to the Greek, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Are you ready? I trust you are. And God can use you. It doesn't have to be in any big, profound way, but it's exciting, beloved. It is truly exciting to see what God can do in the game of life as you and I dare to step out and share you know what jesus told the disciples he said as the father has sent me now this is a resurrected christ talking to the disciples he says peace be unto you as the father has sent me into the world even so i send you ah and that is for you and me too Was it important that God sent Jesus into the world? You say, well, sure. And it's also very important to recognize God is sending you as his ambassador into our world as well. We need to quit being the priest and the Levite. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, how the priest and the Levite found a fellow by the side of the road and he had been robbed and he was hurting He'd been like he was in an accident. He was bleeding. And what did the priests and the Levite do? They were religious people. They were church people. They were people that that knew God and knew their Bibles. What did they do? They walked around the guy and didn't take time. They, They had something more important to do. You know, beloved, it's possible for us to be a priest and the Levite and to walk by hurting people that are about us that desperately need us to get down where they are and uh, apply first aid, and take them to an emergency room and get help for them. But we know the help that they desperately need is the Lord. You know, I, I'm not going to go into the story of it, but there was four lepers in Second Kings, I'm sorry, yes, Second Kings chapter seven and verse nine. And these lepers were in they were outside the gates of the city where people were starving inside and hurting. And there was an army around this camp. And uh, the lepers reasoned among themselves, say, well, if we go back into the city, we're going to starve. If we just stay here, we're going to starve. But if we dare to go out here into the camp of the enemy, the least they could do, or would, the, the most they'd do, I guess, would be kill us, but uh, there might be a way out. And so they went out and they found every tent people had left And there was all kind of food there. And they they ate their fill and they went to another tent. And here in verse 9 it said, Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight punishment will overtake us, let us go at once and report this to the royal palace and beloved I think that's kind of true of us sometimes we're not doing good we're enjoying God's blessing God has been so good to us and we're keeping it to ourselves we need to share it desperately share it with others Um, you know as we go we've got it on your mark get set go as you go the people this coming week. Pray for an opportunity to share your testimony. Pray for an opportunity to tell people that God loves them. God does want to make a difference in their life. Dare to be ready. But then the Bible says as you go you're going to come again. You know the, one of the beautiful things about going is, is who accompanies you. Do you know that the Lord promised in Romans, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 28, and verse 18, 19, 20, he says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, yeah, you say, I know, the Lord's always with me. Yes, but there is a special sense in which God is with you as you dare to go and share the good news. Yes, but they might uh, not want to hear it. They might be angry with me. That's all right. You've got somebody with you. The Lord, go and I am with you in a very real way. Not only do we have great accompaniment, God has given you extra power. You know that it says over in Acts 1:8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now Jerusalem is your home. Judea is your home state. Samaria is to that uh, people that is of a different culture than you are. And then he says all over the world. Well, we better start at home first. Start at our Jerusalem, and then your next door neighbors, and go on. Why? Because God has said, I, the Holy Spirit, live in you. God didn't leave us orphans. He He came to dwell Within us. And then. The message. That you and I give. The Bible. In Romans chapter 10. And verse 13 says. That. uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. If you can just get people to call on the name of the Lord. They'll be saved. But, verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed in, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they not hear without someone proclaiming or telling? them?" Did you get that? God wants you and me to tell them. And Uh, All they have to do then is call, and the Lord will do the results. And the the beautiful thing is, and with this I'm ending, in Psalms 126 and verse 6, um, I want you to hear this verse. Psalms 126 and verse 6, it says, Verse 5 says, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. (laughs) Wow! Did you get that? If you dare to go out with your testimony, with the word of God, the gospel that Jesus died for folks and rose again, if you dare to go out even though you go out weeping, the Lord says, doubtless, you will come again, rejoicing, bringing your sheaves. Sheaves would be the little stalks of, of grain uh, that they have at harvest time. He said, you'll doubtless come back with, with some harvest, with some that will hear. Oh, you say, but everybody will hear. No, everybody won't listen. But some will. Some will. And you'll have the joy of rejoicing with heaven. You you know what the Lord said? He said that there's joy in the presence of the Lord over one sinner that repents. And as you go and as you share this, He says, you'll doubtless come again with harvest. With somebody, someone, that will turn, oh, maybe not the first day of the first week, or maybe not the first year. But doubtless, there's going to be reaping. And you may not see it, but wouldn't it be great to get to heaven and somebody say, you know what, that little Gospel of John, or that that, uh, time you told me that Jesus could make a difference in my life, God really spoke to me and I'm here today because she told me. <laughs> Don't that agree? Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this, people. Thank you, Lord, that you have given to us the privilege of being in the game that really counts. In the game that makes a difference between heaven and hell. Winning and losing, and thank you, Father, that you died on the cross and rose again to conquer death, that we could be on the winning team and get others to join us too. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to leave that with you, and uh, if any of you are interested in a copy of the of the Gospel of John, uh, this. I, I use the pocket testament League because of the good lead ins and the like that this has to uh, sharing Christ.